the wisest person I ever met in my life. A third grade dropout. Wisest and dropout in the same sentence is rather oxymoronic. Like jumbo shrimp. Mm-hmm. Like fun run. Ain't nothing fun about it. Like Microsoft works. Y'all don't hear me. I used to say like country music, but I've lived in Texas so long. I, I love country music now. I, that, yeah. I hunt, I fish, I have cowboy boots and cowboy. Y'all, I'm a black neck, redneck. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? No longer oxymoronic for me to say country music. And it's not oxymoronic for me to say third grade and dropout. That third grade dropout, the wisest person I ever met in my life who taught me to combine knowledge and wisdom to make an impact was my father, a simple cook. Wisest man I ever met in my life. Just a simple cook. Left school in the third grade to help out on the family farm, but just because he left school doesn't mean his education stopped. Mark Twain once said, I've never allowed my schooling to get in the way of my education. My father taught himself how to read, taught himself how to write, decided in the midst of Jim Crowism, as America was breathing the last gasp of the Civil War, my father decided he was gonna stand and be a man. Not a black man, not a brown man, not a white man, but a man. He literally challenged himself to be the best that he could all the days of his life. I have four degrees. My brother is a judge. We're not the smartest ones in our family. It's a third grade dropout daddy. Uh, a third grade dropout daddy who was quoting Michelangelo, saying to us, boys, I won't have a problem if you aim high and miss, but I'm gonna have a real issue if you aim low and hit. A country mother quoting Henry Ford, saying if you think you can or if you think you can't, you're right. I learned that from a third grade drop. Simple lessons, lessons like these. Son, you'd rather be an hour early than a minute late. We never knew what time it was at my house because the clocks were always ahead. My mother said for nearly 30 years, my father left the house at 345 in the morning. One day she asked him, why, Daddy? He said, maybe one of my boys will catch me in the act of excellence. I want to share two things with you. Aristotle said, you are what you repeatedly do. Therefore, excellence ought to be a habit, not an act. Don't ever forget that. I know you're tough, but always remember to be kind. Always. Don't ever forget that. Never embarrass Mama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If Mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. If Daddy ain't happy, don't nobody care. But, you know... I tell you. Next lesson. Lesson from a cook over there in the galley. Son, make sure your servant's towel is bigger than your ego. Ego is the anesthesia that deadens the pain of stupidity. Y'all might have a relative in mind you want to send that to. Let me say it again. Ego is the anesthesia that deadens the pain of stupidity. Pride is the burden of a foolish person. John Wooden coached basketball at UCLA for a living. But his calling was to impact people. And with all those national championships, guess what he was found doing in the middle of the week? Going into the cupboard, grabbing a broom, and sweeping his own gym floor. You want to make an impact? Find your broom. Every day of your life, you find your broom. You grow your influence that way. That way you're attracting people so that you can impact them. Final lesson. Son, if you're gonna do a job, do it right. I've always been told how average I can be. 
always been criticized about being average. But I want to tell you something. I stand here before you, before all of these people, not listening to those words, but telling myself every single day to shoot for the stars, to be the best that I can be. Good enough isn't good enough if it can be better. And better isn't good enough if it can be best. Let me close with a very personal story that I think will bring all this into focus. Wisdom will come to you in the unlikeliest of sources, a lot of times through failure. When you hit rock bottom, remember this. While you're struggling, rock bottom can also be a great foundation on which to build and on which to grow. I'm not worried that you'll be successful. I'm worried that you won't fail from time to time. Person that gets up off the canvas and keeps growing, that's the person that will continue to grow their influence. I absolutely loved that, that video, and I saw it. There were so many um, just good, again, practical uh, bits of wisdom in there. That's a guy named Rick Rigsby, and he's giving the commencement speech at, uh, at Cal State there. And, and as, as he spoke and as I was listening to it, I don't know if he's a Christ follower or not, but it was one of those things where I'm listening to his message, and actually the, the video goes on for another like eight or nine minutes. I almost just played the video and then got up here and prayed, and it was like, oh, okay, see you next week. But I didn't. Um, there's more to it than that this morning, but... Um, as he was going through that, I, I just was listening to the, the, the themes that you find in Scripture, right, about being humble, about showing kindness, about loving others, about perseverance in adversity. Today, again, we're in this, this series on wisdom, and, and we're looking at, at, at what wisdom and, and how wisdom can impact our lives when we apply it to our lives. See, wisdom is about experience. Wisdom is about listening, Wisdom's about taking knowledge and then shaping it and molding it into action. Wisdom is about having influence and a positive impact on the people that we come in contact with. Wisdom leads us to kindness. Wisdom leads us to love. Wisdom is is knowing that when we fail, we can grow from our failures. And actually, we're going to be stronger from learning from our failures, right? Those are the things that we can learn from wisdom. And again, like I said, I'm not sure if Rick was a Christ follower or not, but gosh, there were so many just good little pieces, nuggets in there uh, that were found that you can find just, again, thematically throughout Scripture. And I, <clears throat> I, would all of, I would argue that all of those lead us towards wisdom. I mentioned before, we're looking at the life of, of Solomon, King Solomon. He was a son of David. David was the king for quite a few years in Israel, and then Solomon took over. And, and when Solomon became king, it was one of those things where he didn't feel ready. He wasn't, didn't feel that he was prepared. He didn't feel that he was equipped to be king. He was David's 10th son, so really he shouldn't have even you know, been king, but through a handful of circumstances and things that happened uh, in between David and Solomon. Solomon becomes king, and now he's placed with all this responsibility on his shoulders. And he's talking to God, and he goes, God, uh, you know, he's expressing his anxiety. He's expressing his nervousness. And God goes, you know what, Solomon? I got you. I'm going to give you one thing. You ask for it. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. You ask for it, I'll give you it. It doesn't matter how big, how small, I'll give it to you. And so Solomon does, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't go after gold and riches. He doesn't go after land. He doesn't go after, you know, triumph over his enemies. He doesn't do any of that stuff. He says, God, I want wisdom. Grant me wisdom. And you almost get this feeling that, that God is, 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 when Solomon says that, goes, yeah, you answered correctly. Good answer. Good, good answer. Um, for, for most of us, wisdom is not something that we just get granted like that. 
right? Wisdom is something that we have to learn over time. We learn through our experiences. Um, and it, but it's cool to just get uh, this, this idea of, of how Solomon then used his wisdom. He didn't just, he didn't just ask God for it and then squander it. No, he, he asked God for wisdom, and then he just went crazy with it. And his, his country and his people, and, and he was just blessed tremendously. In 1 Kings 4, 29 uh, through 34, we just kind of get an idea of the level of wisdom that, uh, that Solomon had. I'm going to just read it. Don't worry about turning there yet. Uh, 1 Kings 4, 29 says this, God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Stop for a minute and just think about that. Think about that statement. A breadth of understanding is measureless as the sand on the seashore. I took a walk on the beach on Friday, and I had this message in my head, and as I'm walking and I'm looking at the sand, you know, kind of squishing between my toes, and I'm thinking, just that little amount of sand right there, I can't even count that. That's the depth and the width of, of wisdom that Solomon was granted. Verse 30, Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people of the east and greater than the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than anyone else, and his fame spread through all the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs numbered 1,005. He spoke about plant life, the cedar of Lebanon, the hyssops that grow out of the walls. He spoke about animals and birds and reptiles and fish. From all the nations, people came to listen to Solomon's wisdom sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. You might be thinking, you know, here it is, Tony, 2019. That's great. This was so many years ago. And what does that have to do uh, with, with today, here and now in my life? What does biblical wisdom matter in my daily life? Well, I mentioned before that wisdom has to do with experience. And Scripture provides us so many stories that steer us and that guide us towards an understanding uh, of the benefits of biblical wisdom and practical wisdom in our daily lives. And we can learn from those stories. When we read stories like Solomon, what Solomon does with his wisdom that God grants him, we can learn from that and then we can apply that to our lives. And then hopefully we're going to pray and ask God for more and more wisdom in our lives, which is actually going to lead to a, a lot less frustration, a lot less heartache, a lot less turmoil. So if you want to turn in your Bibles now, this is the passage that we're going to be kind of hanging out in for the rest of the morning. It's 1 Kings 10, uh, 1 through 9. And if it's too dark in here, under the the chairs, there's these little cubbies. Uh, There's blue ones and orange ones, and they have a little pen light in there. If you want to borrow that, you can totally borrow that. Don't steal it, though. Just put it back when you're done, please. Um, (laughs) We went through them this morning, and it was like, oh, oh, man, we're missing a lot of pen lights. I guess if you really want to steal the pen light, you can steal the pen light. That's cool. Um, But... uh, yeah, turn in your Bibles there or in your phones there. We're going to be again in 1 Kings 10, uh, 1 through 9. This is an experience that Solomon had with the, the Queen of Sheba. Starts in verse 1. When the Queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon and his relationship to the Lord, she came to test Solomon with hard questions. Arriving at Jerusalem with a, with a great caravan, I want you to picture this in your mind. Okay, picture this in your Have you seen, um, anybody seen the new Aladdin? movie, like the new one, right, with all the crazy caravan as Aladdin comes coming into the city. This is kind of the picture that I get in my head, right? Camels carrying spices, large quantities of gold and precious stones. Uh, she came to Solomon and, and talked with him about all she had on her mind. Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. When the queen of Sheba saw all the wisdom of Solomon and the palace he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his officials, 
the attending servants in their robes, his cupbearers, and the burnt offerings he had made at the temple of the Lord, she was overwhelmed. Verse 6, she said to the king, the report I heard in my own country about your achievements and your wisdom is true, but I did not believe these things until I came and saw with my own eyes. Indeed, not even half was told me. In wisdom and in wealth, you have exceeded the report I heard. How happy your people must be and how happy your officials who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Verse 9, praise be to the Lord your God who has delighted in you and placed you on the throne of Israel because the Lord's eternal love for Israel has made you king to maintain justice and righteousness. See, Solomon understood, oops, Solomon understood that, that God's wisdom was meant to be practical, not philosophical, right? If you want to be a person of influence, you need to pursue wisdom. Lead, uh, remember, leadership is defined as having influence. So if you want to be a more effective leader, if you want to be a better parent, if you want to be a better business owner or a better coworker or a better team player, pursue wisdom. Pursue wisdom. See, thinking deeply about those things will only take you so far. Solomon just didn't sit around talking about intellectual concepts. No, he applied everything that he was learning. He applied his experience to produce practical benefits. I I think it's important to point out, too, that wisdom is not the same as knowledge. The passage I read to you earlier, God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. I heard a wise person once say that knowledge is knowing a tomato is fruit, but wisdom is not putting that tomato in your fruit salad, right? Right? Whether we like to admit it or not, most of our days are spent consuming information. Some of you guys are going to think about that later, and you're going to bust up laughing because that's stinking funny. I'm not going to lie, okay? Um, but anyways, I'm like, we're all about consuming information. So you may not think that whatever mag- magazine you, you're just browsing through as you're checking out at the market is you're gaining knowledge and gaining information, but you are. When you're watching TV, we're gaining knowledge. When we're browsing through Twitter or Instagram or the news on our phone or computer, uh, that's gaining knowledge. When we're reading books, we're gaining knowledge. And certainly this isn't groundbreaking news. Uh, present-day humans, we're constantly ridiculed, right? We tell our kids when, we ha- when they have phones, like, get off your phone, because we're constantly doing this, walking around, right? Like doing this with our phone, and, and we're not paying attention to the world around us. We're constantly looking for information, constantly looking for that knowledge. But I can remember a day uh, before smartphones. I actually can remember days before there was, you know, a thousand and five television stations. My, our first television growing up had six stations, and, and half of those, you had to adjust the little, this little antenna thing on the top to actually get so you could see the picture on it, right? Now we have thousands of them. Now we have information with this technology right here at the push of a button. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Siri. We can ask any question we want and get that answer almost immediately. Not that it's going to be right, but we can get at least in the right direction, right? I can remember days where, where, where newspapers were a thing. There's a whole generation right now, that doesn't even know what a newspaper is. Crazy, right? A newspaper. Um, I also can remember days where we would gather around a, a radio as a family. It wasn't even a fancy radio. It was a radio that had this, di- this di- dial on it that you had to, like, turn and find the, the station. It didn't have presets. It didn't have buttons, right, that you could preset. No, we had to find the station, and we would listen to the world news. But this was all in, in, a, in, a, in an attempt to gain knowledge. See, the pursuit of knowledge is, is something that humanity has been seeking after since the dawn of time. And the point that I'm, that I'm making here is that lots of people seek knowledge, 
Lots of people seek knowledge. We want to appear smart and we want to impress our peers with the, the amount of knowledge that we have. And that's not a bad thing. Knowledge isn't, isn't a bad thing to have. But I would argue that, that knowledge is not the only thing that we should be striving for. Because see, if knowledge is knowing a bunch of stuff about a bunch of things, well, then wisdom is being able to retain and implement and apply that stuff and those things in practical application. Here's the thing. Knowledge is easy. Knowledge is easy to, to gain and to gather. Again, the push of a button. Hey, Siri, you can get that knowledge. Wisdom, however, takes effort. It takes trial. It takes error sometimes. It takes failing. It takes pain and blood and sweat and tears. It's a lifelong practice. It's a lifelong pursuit. Knowledge by far is the more comfortable option. Think about it this way. What's easier, reading about the benefits of exercising and eating correctly, like eating wisely, right? Or actually getting out there and doing it and exercising and making sure that it's a part of your schedule and meal prepping and all that stuff. That takes work. That takes time. That takes effort. It's so much more easy just to read about that. But the benefits, the benefits, right? See, intelligence informs you, but wisdom, wisdom guides you. I like this, this illustration. This is the difference between IQ and EQ, essentially. The description that I, that I like a lot is that IQ is the back wheel of a bike, right? It gives you the power to get where you're going. But EQ is the front wheel of the bike, and how you steer is crucial for determining where you're going to go, right? You can have all the power in the world. That's intelligence. That's knowledge. But if you don't know how to use it, that's wisdom, then you're going to run your bike and potentially your life into a ditch, right? The somewhat modern-day prophet Jimi Hendrix said, knowledge speaks, but wisdom listens. Do we take time to listen? Have you ever been in a room or in a meeting with someone and all they do is talk, 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 talk. They got to be the smartest person in the room. They're just like a talking head. And you're like, what is going on here? I don't understand half of what's coming out of your mouth. You are spitting out a bunch of information, but nobody knows how to apply that information. Wisdom listens. Wisdom listens. And I don't know about you, but when I seek advice, when I look for a mentor or somebody to to guide me and help me uh, through my life, I want to look for someone who's been through the gauntlet. I want to look for someone who's been through those experiences so that maybe they can help me uh, navigate and steer through some of those negative times, those, those tough times, so I don't have to experience those things. I'm not looking for someone who's simply shouting the loudest or has the most knowledge. I know I, for me, I try to listen well. I try to take good notes. I, I, I try to make sure that I go back and study those notes. It's so important. You see, Solomon, when he asked God to give him an understanding heart, it was because he understood that no matter how Smart the mind may be. If the heart is wrong, then all of life is going to be wrong. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your hearts with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Another version says, Just simply guard your heart. Protect your heart. And that word understanding, when, when Solomon asked for an understanding heart, that l- word literally translated into means hearing. Solomon wanted a hearing heart. See, true understanding comes from hearing what God has to say. And to the Old Testament Jew, hearing went hand in hand with obeying. Those two were interlocked with each other. They heard God's word and they obeyed it. It was just, it was like, it was the norm. It was the natural. It was what you did. As opposed to us, sometimes when we hear God speak, We might want to like study it and then pass judgment on what it was that he was saying and and we might obey it or we might not. No, 
when we ask for an understanding heart, when we ask for a hearing heart, a listening heart, it's because we want to have insight that exercises discernment. We want to have, we want to be able to distinguish things that differ, right from wrong. We want to know what's real and what's artificial. We want to know what's temporary and what's eternal. See, Solomon, he understood a few things about wisdom that I want to make sure that we grasp here today. And the first one is this. Wisdom is the path to a blessed and joy-filled life. This is the Queen of Sheba speaking to Solomon. How happy are your, happy your people must be. How happy your officials who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. See, not only Solomon, he is, not only is Solomon benefiting from this wisdom, but, but the people are too. And they all are experiencing joy because of Solomon's wisdom. Actually, this time period in Israelite history, this is known as the golden era. This is the time where this country, Israel, was the, the wealthiest that it ever was. It had the most, um, you know, it had incredible amounts of, of wealth and grain and, and cattle and, and, and influence. And it was all because of Solomon asking for wisdom. He was experiencing the benefits and so were his people. And I know for, for me, when I make a good choice, when I make a wise choice, doesn't that feel good? Doesn't that just feel good when you make a wise choice? I know sometimes it's hard to make wise choices, you know, to use that discernment. Uh, but I know for me, when I'm able to look back and go, oh, in hindsight, that was the wisest choice that I could have made. That is a really, really good feeling. It feels amazing. Now, unfortunately, I could give you plenty of examples in my life. My wi- sorry, my wife. I could give you plenty, plenty of examples in my life. My wife could also give you plenty of examples in my life where I have, I have not, you know, made wise choices uh, for sure. But, um, you know, have you ever, the, here's, the, here's the, something I was thinking about this week. Have you ever tried to put together an Ike- Ikea furniture? Or who's ever put together Ikea furniture here, right? So you could be a furniture maker, right? You could have like the trade, a job as a furniture maker. You work in a, in a place that cuts wood and does that stuff. Like, if you don't follow those dang directions, right, you're going to get to the end of that project guaranteed and you're going to have a wooden peg left, right? And you're going to have a little screw and pe- maybe a piece of wood. And you're like, wait a minute, where does this fit into my, how, what? And it's kind of leaning to the side, right? I don't know about you, but when I get to the end of those, those IKEA projects, like wisdom is using the instructions, for those Ikea projects. And I know when, when I get to the end of it, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at my, my little piece of furniture and I'm thinking, great, for the next six to nine months, I have an awesome piece of furniture. Like, this is going to be sweet, right? I'm just kidding. I'm, not, I'm, banging on the, I'm bagging on the Swedes a little bit. Osa was in our first service and I thought she was going to stare bullets through me. Um, but uh, my, my point is this. There's so much joy that comes from just following the instructions, right? When we have that piece of furniture and that's the same kind of joy that we can experience when we follow the Lord's instructions. When God grants us wisdom, out of that wisdom comes joy. Something else that Solomon understood from gaining wisdom was this. Wisdom points others to the source of all wisdom. The first part of verse 9 in chapter 10. Praise be to the Lord your God who has delighted in you and placed you on the throne of Israel. See, when we ask God for wisdom and we lean on His understanding, not our own, what that does is that points other people toward God. People will see that in our lives and it will point other people towards God. And then we have to be obedient to God's wisdom in our lives. But people will see that in you. When you ask God for wisdom and you're using wisdom, godly wisdom, practical wisdom, people will see that and they'll want to know what's different. They'll want to know what makes you different. It's a great opportunity to share. It points others to the source of all wisdom. Wisdom also equips us to do the right thing. The last part of of verse 9, because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel, 
He has made you king to maintain justice and righteousness. There are some crazy stories about Solomon and some of the situations that he was in and, and some of the decisions that he had to make. We don't have time to go into them today, but it, wisdom equipped Solomon to do the right thing and to lead his people incredibly well. So then, what are some of the, the next steps in our pursuit of wisdom? What are some of the things that we can do to, to pursue wisdom and, and, just, and just make it something that we are constantly striving after in our lives? The first thing I would like to suggest is this, learn what the Bible says. Pastor Steve spoke on this last week, so I won't spend too much time here, but 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, uh, and training in righteousness. Right? We've also been encouraging you to read through the book of Proverbs through this series. Right? Proverbs, um, it has 31 books in it. I hope you're taking advantage of that. Uh, it's got 31 books in it, and it's, it's chock full of just biblical, practical wisdom. Right? It's, it's kind of cool. Um, Proverbs has 31 chapters in it, and most months have 31 days in it. So literally, you could read just a proverb a day right? My dad would always say growing up when we were trying to figure out something, he'd go, ah, just go read Proverbs. A proverb a day keeps the devil away. Like he cracked up in first service. He was in first service. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, <laughs> you actually listened to something I said. Um, you know, it was one of those things though, like it's true. Like today's the 29th. You can just read Proverbs 29. And that's going to be some good practical wisdom in your life. October is a great month to start this because it actually has 31 days. You start on October 1st and read Proverbs 1. October 2nd, Proverbs 2, and so on and so forth. Another way that we pursue wisdom is this. We ask God for it. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. See, when we ask God for wisdom, it can't stop there. It can't stop there. We need to listen to what he says and then obey it. Some of us on staff committed to praying this verse, James 1.5, uh, over the last few weeks. And I know for me, as I've prayed this verse recently, um, a couple different things have happened. It's given me an awareness to times where I am not being super wise in what I'm saying and what I'm thinking, and then an awareness to where I am. Oh my gosh, this is something. Like, for instance, I know um, I've, uh, there's a couple times recently I've been talking to somebody or I've been in a meeting, and, and my little thought bubble in my head is like, Tony, where in the world are these words coming from? these aren't your words. You actually sound like you're putting together, an, you know, a well-put thought or some insight. Like, these aren't your words. Like, what's happening here? And then, I'll, and then I'll catch myself, and I'll be all, oh, okay, this is God speaking through me. I've been praying this verse, and this is God answering this prayer. Then there have been other times on the total flip side of that where I've been speaking or saying something or interjecting into something, and I'm like, you know, my, my thought bubble's like, Tony, you need to shut up right now. Tony, it's time to be quiet. Like, stop talking, stop talking, stop talking, stop talking, abort, 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 you know? Like, <laughs> and, it's, and it's crazy. And then I'll have that, this little moment of like, oh, okay, I asked for that. And God is granting me that. And it's crazy cool. It's, it's super, super fun um, to, 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 to have that kind of a, uh, of, of, to, to see it practically playing out in my life. So that's something else you could try. Just praying James 1, 5 over your life. Wake up in the morning, pray this verse. See how it impacts your life. Ask God for wisdom. Remember, Solomon asked God for wisdom, and he asked God for a discerning heart, literally a listening heart, a heart that could hear what God was saying, a heart that was connected to God's heart. So for us to hear God, I know for, at least for me, I need to set aside time and places where I can hear Him. And if I'm not doing that, then I'm not going to hear God. And, and 
I need to actually schedule those into my schedule. I was listening to a podcast with my wife, Mary, a couple weeks ago, and we were, it was, this podcast was specifically on, on how to have a healthier marriage, and there was this quote. No, I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. We were reading it. We were reading this, and there was this quote from this blog, and it was so incredibly uh, just wise, and it stuck with me. It's, it, and it said this, and I want you to catch this. It said this, Don't prioritize your schedule. Schedule your priorities. Right? Yeah. Don't prioritize your schedule. Schedule your priorities. For me, that was a game changer. And for the last couple of weeks, it's really just affected the way that I've, I've, I've looked at life and I've looked at the different meetings and the things that I quote-unquote think are important that maybe are not so as important as I, as I put them up to be. Right? So what it, what it really got me doing was it got me thinking that if I want to have a healthier marriage, then my marriage has to be a priority and my schedule should reflect that. If I want to be a, a better father then that needs to be a priority and my schedule should reflect that. If I want to be healthier with my body, both with working out and eating well, then, then my, that has to be a priority and my schedule needs to reflect that. And probably the most important thing, if I want to have a deeper relationship with God, if I, 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 that means I need to spend time with Him, reading His Word, praying, and my schedule should reflect that. So what I've done over the last couple weeks is, is I've taken just a... a just note of what my schedule looks like. I'm looking at my calendar and just practically going, okay, like this looks like I work a lot. This looks like I, I put a lot of time and effort into A, B, and C. And there definitely are times in there. It's, it, I, I, I'm, I'm pleased to say that there are times when I, I looked at my, my schedule and I was stoked that I was doing these things. You see, every Monday from 9 o'clock in the morning to 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I have Mondays off, my wife has Mondays off. It says date with Mary. That's the time we spend together every single Monday. And we, don't, we, we try super, super hard not to put anything on top of that. And then after that, 2 o'clock to 5 o'clock every Monday, it says date with kids. My wife and I take turns flip-flopping kids. And we take our kids on dates. And sometimes it's just silly. Sometimes it's like life stuff. Like right now we're going through a book with my son on purity. He's at that age. He's, he's, he's a sixth grader. It's important to, that he knows these things. It's a priority, right? You notice that in, in my calendar on Tuesday afternoons at 5 o'clock, I'm down at boot camp with Lydia over here kicking, kicking my boot, right? Because it's important. I want that to be a priority. I don't schedule stuff over that. In fact, at, at, um, usually in the, in the mornings, you'll see on my schedule, up until about 9 o'clock, I don't schedule anything because it's a priority to me to like wake up in the morning and spend a little extra time with God. It's a priority to me to be able to take my kids to school. I want that in my life. That's a priority to me. It's a priority to me to make sure that I get to exercise. And I've found that in my life, when I've got to wake up and I'll, I need that time, I, can't, I can get somewhere by 9 o'clock. Before that, I'm going to have to skip one of those things. And if those things are truly priorities in my life, then I, I don't want to skip those things. They need to be priorities in my life. And you can do the same with your schedule. I'd encourage you to try it. Just look at your calendar. You very quickly will be able to tell what your priorities are. I know for me, it was a gut check. Oh, man, I am focusing so much on my schedule. I'm not prioritizing the right things. Sometimes I am, but for the most part, I'm not. So I'm working on that. It's something that I'm working on. Another thing, though, we, in terms of just priorities, when we're talking about priorities, making the pursuit of wisdom, man, it should be a top priority. 
I'd say right up there with like loving others, making the pursuit of wisdom a top priority. Because when we, when we pursue wisdom, then like things like love and kindness and grace and all those things, they just, they just come out of our lives. They're going to flow out of our lives. Right? The beginning of wisdom is this. And I love this. <laughs> the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Period. It's not like a comma. It's not like a dot, dot, dot. It's not like a semicolon. No. It's like get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. Right? Ephesians uh, 5, 15 through 16 says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. I mentioned earlier that knowledge and wisdom, they're so different. And, and, I, and I think, and I, I mean, I, I know for me, it's something I've, I've been learning through studying this, this message and this passage, that there are plenty of ways to start turning knowledge into wisdom into our lives. And it might take some thought, it might take some time and some effort, but I would encourage you to do that. Look at some of the things that you, you know, you're very knowledgeable about, and see, knowledgeable about and see how you can turn that into wisdom. This is, this is an example I was thinking of this week. When I, when I first was learning how to surf, like I, I inundated myself with all kinds of surfing knowledge, right? I wanted to know who the, the old pro surfers were, the new pro surfers, all the cool surf breaks around San Diego, around the world, and I had all this knowledge in my head, but it was a totally different story to then get out there on the surfboard and to feel the way that that surfboard reacted on the water. And if I leaned a little this way or leaned a little this way or this way, what the surfboard did. And I tell you what, those first uh, handful of times as I was learning to surf, I would get out of the water and I'd have so much water stuffed in my nose, right? I wouldn't, didn't think I was going to be able to breathe for a week, you know, and I'm learning and I'm failing and I'm struggling and I'm like, ah, but then once you get it, once you get it, all that knowledge, once it happens, surfers call it a stoke. And for me, I can remember it. I was just down at the pump station right down here in PB. And I caught this wave and I dropped into this wave. And, and the next thing I knew, I was gliding down the face of this wave. It was the first time it had happened. Every other time it was like white water or, you know, like I'd start and I'd get dumped or whatever. No, like I caught the wave, I actually turned into the wave and I caught it and I'm looking, like I'm looking at the wave as it's breaking towards me. It was an experience I'll never forget. It was like all of a sudden, all of that knowledge came into, into one little spot right there, and I was applying this. And I, and, I, and I remember thinking to my feet, oh, if I pump this way, if I move this way, and I was applying that stuff. And it was an incredible feeling, turning that knowledge into wisdom. But as I mentioned, failure is unavoidable, right? Failure is unavoidable. It's, it's almost like... It, Failure is the, proverb, the proverbial uh, admission fee to, to earning wisdom and, and finding success. We've got to fail. We've got to fail. And we've got to learn from those failures. It's crazy. One of the messages that I heard uh, at, the, at the middle school, my sons just started attending. The principal got up there and she said, we're going to encourage your kids to fail. I was like, wait a minute. Hold the phone. <laughs> Are you serious right now? I want my kids to be successful. No. She said, we're going to encourage them to fail. And this is why. Because when they fail, they learn. And we've got a support system here that will help them grow and learn from their failures. I thought, man, that's, that's money. That's what we need to do as a church for each other. Yeah, we all have failures. We're all going to screw up from time to time. Then to come around alongside each other. Because it gives us this, from that rock bottom, that's a great place. Remember Rick Risby said it, a great place to start. Because it gives us this springboard into life, into action. Failure is unavoidable. It's what we do with our failure that really, really matters. In order to do that, though, here's what we have to do. We have to daily challenge our wisdom against what the Bible says. If we've got a good concept of what the Bible says about wisdom, 
then chances are what's coming out of our lives is going to be, is going to be wise for the most part. Colossians 2.8 says, Do you, uh, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which, demands, or which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. See, when our focus gets out of whack, we lose our focus on Christ. That means we have to bring it back. And how do we daily challenge our wisdom, the things that we're thinking against what the Bible says? This is called developing a biblical worldview. Right? This is called Developing a Biblical Worldview. If you missed Pastor Daryl's message from a few weeks ago, go and check it out on our website. Pastor Daryl is our, is our missions pastor for all of Newbreak, and he came and, and shared with us a few weeks ago. Our website is just, it's newbreak.church backslash Pacific. Go and find the podcast. Listen to his message. Pastor Daryl definitely has a well-developed biblical worldview. And it's contagious when you hear him talk about what God is doing around the world and around this country and around the city through the ministries that we as a church, New Break Pacific Beach, that then the other New Break campuses together uh, help support. Actually, next week we're going to have, um, it's, it's going to focus completely on kingdom builders. Kingdom builders is something, it's, it's an above and beyond tithe. This is, what, this is the way that we, we fund all of our missions trips. This is the way that we fund our, the Mexico trip. The re- reason it only costs $60 to go down to Mexico is because of your generosity. And that makes it accessible for people to go down to Mexico. It actually costs quite a bit more. But because of your generosity, we're able to cut the cost of that trip, and it's only $60. Next week, don't miss next week. It's going to be great. Pastor Steve is back, and he's going to, it's, it's a Kingdom Builders weekend. We're just going to talk about all the things that God is doing and is going to do in 2020 through New Break. And I'm so excited about the, the opportunities for giving clean water. I'm so excited for, for you know, the opportunities to eliminate sex trafficking. I'm so excited for the opportunities to go and build more houses in Mexico and then do more things at this school and, and at the different neighborhoods that, that our other Newbreak campuses are surrounded by. Don't mix next Sunday. It's going to be awesome for, for the Kingdom Builders Sunday. Here's the thing. None of what we're doing next year for Kingdom Builders would be possible if we didn't listen. If we didn't listen. And that's why it's so important to listen to wise teachers. I, I, that's one of the things that I love about New Break so much is that we don't come into a community or a neighborhood or whatever and just think that we know. We come into a neighborhood or a community and, and listen. What's the heart of the community? What's the heart of what's going on in this people group or, or whatever it is? Listening, it's so important. Proverbs 13.10, Where there is strife, there is pride, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. I want to end today with, with reading of the first part of Proverbs 1. Uh, essentially, Proverbs 1, the, these first six verses capture everything that we're going to encounter when we're reading the book of Proverbs. Everything found in Proverbs, Solomon basically wants us to understand this is what you're going to get. If you, if you go on this journey of reading the book of Proverbs, this is what you can expect to find reading this book. I'm going to put this up on the screen, and as I read this, just see if you can pick out the gaining instruction, the understanding, and so on, okay? Again, this is Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Verse 2, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and, and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables and sayings and riddles of the wise. This is what you can expect. 
when you're reading through Proverbs. We've been encouraging you to go through this Proverbs daily reading plan. Um, If you want to, you can take a picture of this and scan that as a QR code. We also have those out at our guest service. If you have no idea what a QR code is, come talk to me afterwards. I helped a couple people beforehand. It's just an app you have to download, and then you can scan that, and what it's going to do is it's going to take you to a daily reading plan of the book of Proverbs. It's going to set you up with reminders and all that kind of stuff. So you'll get the little reminder in the morning that says, read me, read me, you know, and not like that. Well, maybe. I guess you could set that up if you wanted to. But um, this is such, a, again, a great tool for just getting and gaining wisdom. And I want to leave you with this, this, this question this morning. What is the next step in your pursuit of wisdom? What's the next step? We're all on this journey together, right? But then we all are also on this journey individually. And so some of us are going to be a little bit farther along than others. So what's your next step in the pursuit of wisdom? No matter where you are in that journey, in that pursuit of wisdom, I encourage you, take the next step. Take the next step. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much just for allowing us to be here in this place. God, thanks for the examples of of guys like Solomon. Amen, like Solomon in the Bible and the other examples that we have in Scripture where we can just see your wisdom flowing through them. Lord, I pray that as we, um, as we go through our week, God, that maybe we'll take just the encouragement from this morning to pursue wisdom, to go after wisdom, to ask God for wisdom, to seek it in your word, Lord. Heavenly Father, please just um, remind us. Remind us what it looks like to to ask you for that this week. God, and then as we make decisions, as we lead our families, as we work in our workplaces, as we interact with our coworkers or teammates, God, may other people see you through us because we're seeking after you with all of, all of who we are. And may your wisdom just speak through us. God, maybe in ways that surprise us even. God, help us to take that first step. Whatever step it is, whatever, wherever we are on this journey, God, help us to take that step. That next step towards pursuing you and pursuing wisdom. And these things we ask and pray in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. Amen.